Amen. Hey, once again, we're on a topic of world religions, cults, and the occult. We're on number 10, Bobby. It's Seventh-day Adventists. That's right. As you guys turn there in your workbook, we're going to do a little recap. We've already seen where in the world did this thing came from. Well, it came from a date setter guy named William Miller, who predicted the end of the world not once, not twice, three times. To his credit, he owned up and said, man, I should not have done that. Unfortunately, it spawned. Cat's out of the bag now. Too late. Spawned a whole bunch of different cults. Now, one of the ones that we're focusing on out of that movement is, of course, the Seventh-day Adventist, okay? And from the three big pins, you got the Mr. Bates, Mr. James White, who married Ellen G. Harmon, who became Ellen G. White, for those of you hooked on marriage rules and their name gets changed, at least to ladies. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at when we talk about the issue. Open your Bibles to, once again, Deuteronomy, because let's set the pace. Okay, and so we took a look at Ellen G. White. We looked at the false teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We saw she is basically the linchpin, right? And they admit, as we saw last time, if you take out her writings, what they call the testimonies, then basically you don't have a Seventh-day Adventist Church, okay? And so she claimed to be a prophet, a prophetess, right? And so let's go back. There's a whole debate whether that's in function for today or not. Anyway, but let's go back and see what the Bible says. Okay, you're going to sit there and claim that you're a prophet? Well, let's go take a look at God's rules for a so-called prophet, and uh, let's take a look at that, Deuteronomy 18, 18, and we're going to look at verses uh, 20 through 22. Again, here's what it says, but a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, whose name? God's name. Anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of the gods must be what? Put to death. Okay, you may say to yourselves, well, how do we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? Well, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. Why? Because God doesn't lie. God is holy, lines to sin. And God is, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, right? So God only tells the truth. He is the truth, right? So that's your acid test. If they do anything, say anything wrong, even if that were a gift and function for today, which again is open for debate, okay? And uh, you can't get anything wrong. You get it wrong, what's it say to do, right? What's he say? Well, yeah, death, they kill him with kindness. We saw it last time. There was John when you need him. Uh, uh, but anyways, he, what's he say? He says, do not, the prophet has spoken presumptuously, do not be afraid of him. In other words, cut him off. That's it. We ain't doing this no more. Now, by way of recap, we saw, we began to take a look at last week, put this to the test. All right, you want to claim that you're a prophet? We're, here's the biblical mandate. You can't get nothing wrong. If you're truly getting words from God, right? And uh, just by way of recap, I lost count last week and I'm still not done. And so that's what we're doing. We're taking a look at the acid test. Is Ellen G. White a true prophet of God? And uh, is this some trustworthy teachings that forms the basis of Seventh-day Adventists, their own admission and hers? Well, let's take a look. First of all, we saw that some people felt that maybe this lady was suffering from a mental illness because she got hit in the head with a rock. Serious brain injury. Could be. Uh, some felt that uh, you really shouldn't trust her because uh, if your writing supposedly came from, the, from God, then why would you plagiarize 90% of them? That's something God wouldn't do, so that's another problem. Uh, some, as we saw historically, she was also guilty of some odd, with a capital O, odd charismatic behavior uh, with barking and scrolling on the floor and doing all this other stuff we saw last week. Uh, and then uh, not only that, but she was guilty of some immoral behavior. They had this holy kissing, they're kissing each other and they're washing each other's feet, male and female. And she was traveling with James White before they even got married. And then, okay, so that's, that's kind of strange, okay. But let's put it to the test what, about what she taught. Oh, by the way, have anybody found it interesting since we started this study? Anybody been getting these babies in the mail? Yep. 
Can you believe this? We started this study, and now these, and then we saw before, this is Seventh-day Adventist material. Now, just like their conferences, you can look at this if you didn't get one in the mail. It might be coming, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, if you look at this, they don't tell you who they're from, right? Just like their conferences we talked before, one of their things is they don't tell you who they're from, and then, of course, they get you to go, hey, it's prophecy. They drop the bomb on you at the very end, and if you are, you know, if you worship on Sunday, that's the mark of the beast, you're doomed, ah! you know, and that's how they seduce people in. Same thing with this. You cannot tell at all. All it says is remnant publications. Who's that? You don't know. And they, the only thing you could give a clue away is on the front it says E.G. White. They don't even say Ellen. Most people don't even know who she is anyway. But they even uh, shorten that up. So very trickery. And my thing is this, like, if you're so proud of what you're teaching, why are you being sneaky about it? Okay, so you can look at those later, okay? But anyway, let's take a look. What did she teach? Well, first of all, she stated, I'm just going to recap just a little bit of what we covered. What was the acid test? What's the biblical rule? You get one thing wrong, what are you supposed to do? Shut them off, walk away, get out of here. I ain't never listen to you again, right? Okay, well, she stated that Judas confessed his sin, but then later changed her mind. She stated that the proper position for praying is always kneeling, but then later changed her mind. She stated that the angels fed Elijah instead of the ravens, and then later she changed her mind. Now, is that the way God disseminates truth? No, I don't think so. But, but, but it's even more blatant than that. She falsely said that people had to get rebaptized with her message, or they would go to hell. She also called uh, those who gave up on the 1844 vision that Willie Miller said, man, I was wrong. I shouldn't have predicted a date. Okay, she said that those people are the synagogue of Satan. That's not even what that text is dealing with. Uh, but she applied that to people, even in her own, own camp, who gave up this uh, thing. Uh, she predicted a curse on a guy. That didn't happen. She predicted concerning the Civil War that Lincoln would be defeated, that England would declare war on the U.S., and the U.S. would be humbled in the dust during the Civil War. Did any of that happen? No. She predicted that the Civil War was going to be the end of the world. That didn't happen. She predicted that the end of the world was going to happen in 1843, 1844, 1845, and 1851. Of course, that didn't happen. How many guys could verify that with your presence here tonight? Yeah, well, hello, we're still here. Okay, uh, she predicted in 1856 that some alive then in her own camp will remain alive until the coming of Jesus. Guess what? They um dead. So <laughs> that got that one wrong. Okay, she blames her false prophecies. Okay, they said, well, wait a second, you got these wrong. She blamed it on her fellow Seventh-day Adventists, right? That they weren't obedient enough to Jehovah's laws and stuff, just like the word of faith false teachers do today. The reason why you didn't get healed is because uh, you just didn't have enough faith. It's always back on the person instead of your false teaching. She not only falsely claimed to go to heaven, but the angels gave her that special pull cord. Remember that? And she could fly to heaven every time she... Remember that one? I'm not making it up. That's what she said. She falsely taught that the sisters should wash the feet of the brethren during communion service. She falsely stated that she visited planets when she's doing the pull cord thing. She miscounted the moons on those planets, right? We saw Saturn, Jupiter, and I think uh, Uranus. She said there was four, eight, and six respectively. Respectively, they are 69, 62, 27. You didn't even come close. She falsely taught that people live on Jupiter, Okay, and that these people were tall and majestic and they never sinned. Okay, remember we saw that again with Mormonism, Jehovah's, uh, or Mormonism with Joseph Smith. He said that there were people living on the moon. His successor, uh, successor Brigham Young, said people live on the sun. She says people live on uh, Jupiter. Uh, she falsely stated that 144,000 saints will be alive when Jesus returns, talking of her own camp. 
Uh, that's not even what the 144,000 is about. She falsely taught that the earth will be empty and desolate during the millennial kingdom. That's not true. She falsely taught that Satan will be wandering the earth during the millennial kingdom when the Bible says he's going to be bound for a thousand years. She falsely taught that Jesus returns to the earth after the millennial kingdom when the Bible says he never left. He was there the whole time ruling and reigning. She falsely taught that two Herods were the same guy. Uh-uh, separate guys. She falsely taught that Jesus' brothers were older. That destroys the virgin birth right there. Okay. Uh, she also taught that angels needed a gold card to get in and out of heaven so God can keep track as if he doesn't know. She falsely taught that she was given wings and a vision to fly around, and we see no biblical evidence for that. She falsely taught that she entered the temple in the holy city when the Bible specifically says there is no temple there. She falsely taught that the plan of salvation was made after the fall of man. The Bible says it was before the foundation of the world. She falsely taught that Eve was separated from Adam when she sinned, but the Bible says, and he was right there with her, okay, in the Genesis account. She falsely taught that Adam was deceived by Satan. Not what the Bible says. The Bible says Adam sinned, but Eve was deceived, okay. She falsely taught that the Tower of Babylon was built before the flood when the Bible says no it was built after the flood she falsely taught that Jesus is not the Lord God Almighty when the Bible repeatedly says he is she falsely taught that the atonement of sin was not complete on the cross when the Bible says yes it was she falsely taught that the blood of Jesus does not cancel sin when the Bible says yes it does she falsely taught that Satan bears our sins instead of Jesus when the Bible clearly says it's Jesus excuse me and she falsely taught that we have no assurance of salvation when the Bible repeatedly says yes we do I write these things to you so so that you may know that you have eternal life, okay? Now, I don't even know how many that is. I think it's around 30-some. What's the biblical rule? You get what? One wrong. What should you do? Shut them off. Are we being harsh? Am I being harsh? Is any of us being harsh when we're pointing out these errors in this Seventh-day Adventist movement? There's not just one. There's a multitude of them. There's tons of them, and we ain't even done yet. And I'm still not going to get to them all, but hopefully a few more today. But again, this shows you just how bankrupt not only this teaching is, but how far removed they are from biblical evangelical Christianity. Okay, and for people today say, oh no, they're Christians just like us. I don't think so. Not even close, not by a mile. Right, let's continue and see what else she got wrong. Can we legitimately say, after we get saved, that there will become a point in time when we have absolutely 100% ceased from sinning? Raise your hand. Do you believe that? Praise God. Because that's not true, right? Well, she said, yes. And I quote, To everyone who surrenders fully to God is given the privilege of living without sin in obedience to the law of heaven. Yeah, thank you. All we got to do is interview spouses, uh, even today. How you doing, right? And uh, excuse me, but that's what she taught. No, guess what? That's another false teaching. It keeps stacking up. What's the biblical rule? You're going to sit there and say that you're a prophet of God. You can't get one thing wrong. And it just keeps on coming. This is not from God at all. The Bible says, are you kidding me? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, God, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Then he goes on that basically, and when you do sin, because we're going to sin, okay, you confess that sin. And yeah, praise God. God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, First John is what I'm quoting, of course. Uh, but she says, no, there's going to come a point when you're not going to sin anymore. That's a false teaching. Now, will obeying the commandments earn me favor with God? Well, she says, yes. Quote, to obey the commandments of God is the only way to obtain his favor. That's Testimonies, Volume 4, page 28. Want to check it out. Excuse me? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah, what? All of our righteousness is considered as 
filthy rags, right? The Bible says in Galatians 3, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. The just shall live, this is Paul's big argument in Romans, by faith, right? Uh, you cannot earn God's favor by your works. We're disqualified, we're cut off, right? Now, does our obedience uh, not just earn favor, but does our obedience and faith reconcile us to God? Is that how we're reconciled? No. Okay, but she says yes. Quote, man must be reconciled to God through obedience to his law and faith in Jesus. Well, there you go. Right there. What is that? Is that a grace salvation? By grace through faith? Is that the same thing we believe? All right, so if a person thinks it's by, and I'll quote, obedience to the law is how you're going to get saved. If that's truly what they believe on their deathbed, it's by their obedience to the law and faith in Jesus are they saved. No. So she's preaching a false gospel. What is the biblical rule? If you, It's Jesus and what? Nothing. That's your salvation. It's his work on the cross, his work alone. That's it. Now, if you say Jesus or Jesus and or Jesus, but that ain't the gospel. And that's what she's saying. It's faith in Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's in obedience to his commands. That's a false gospel. So right there disqualifies you for being evangelical Christian. Right there, if you are preaching that and teaching that in your services, you're preaching people the road to hell. Am I being harsh? We're just dealing with the scripture here. Right? And we're still going. The Bible says it's by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Now, did Jesus enter the most holy place, okay, at his ascension or in 1844? Yeah, I'm assuming you get the right answer. We all know that one. You'd think that'd be basic. No, she says it was in 1844, right? Because that's, that's the, remember, their lie. We'll get into that, Lord willing, later. He keeps saying that. That's their lie when they predicted the false date, right? They didn't want to admit that they were wrong, so they came up with a false teaching, say that, well, Jesus did come back. He did move. It just wasn't to the earth. We weren't wrong. He just scooted over in the sanctuary, right? That's really what they're saying. All because they didn't want to admit what their founders said. Man, I was wrong. And then that's what spawned the cults and eventually the Seventh-day Adventists. Okay, but here's what she said. She says, I was shown, okay, that this door was not open, right, until the mediation of Jesus was finished in the holy place of the sanctuary in 1844. So for 1,800 years plus, uh, where was he? What was he doing? Right? This is crazy, okay? All to that. The Bible says, read the book of Hebrews, that neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, Jesus, he entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. When did that take place? At the ascension, after the resurrection. He's been there and he's been interceding for us, the scripture says, this whole time. It wasn't, I don't know what, I don't know what, what your backup plan is. You're floating in space? I don't know. Uh, no, he's been there, praise God, interceding for us having obtained eternal redemption for us. Uh, it, it wasn't until 1844. Now, what is the seal of God? Right? Well, she would say the seal of God is the Sabbath. By worshiping on the Sabbath. You have to worship on the Sabbath in order to obtain the seal of God. Right? Here's what she says. The Sabbath of the fourth commandment is the seal of the living God. That's the great controversy. Page 640 if you want to check it out. Right? But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is the seal of God that you receive instantly at salvation, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
from God. When we got saved, bang, you get indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. You become his temple. You're sealed for the day of redemption. That's what Paul says, Ephesians 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. How are we sealed? How are we marked off? It's God's sealing. We're getting to heaven. What's the evidence of that? The Holy Spirit. It ain't keeping the Sabbath. Now, this is why this false teaching of hers is why they're so hung up on you've got to worship on Saturday, right? And then they go even further and say Sunday's the mark of the beast, right? Uh, Etc. right? This is, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God's seal. Ellen G. White denies that. She claims that the seventh-day Sabbath is God's seal. Thus, listen, Sabbath-keeping, worshiping on Saturday, is promoted as the great determiner of who is lost and who is saved, so you and I, every week, are demonstrating, according to Seventh-day Adventists, you and I are demonstrating that we are not saved by worshiping on Sunday. That's why there's such sticklers on this. Okay, it's a false, false teaching. In this, Ellen G. White proclaims that it is the Sabbath which saves rather than Jesus Christ. Okay, claiming it is salvation by works that makes the Sabbath the greatest commandment of all. Okay, uh, anyway, now... Uh, is it a sin to be sick? Yeah. No, of course not. Now, the word of faith teachers, they would say that because you don't got enough faith, right? Or you got some secret sin that you need to confess, right? Well, she said it was, right? She said it was. And again, eventually we're going to get into this root. Okay, remember we did the historical root? Also at this same time when this was going out, we're going to eventually see after a couple times, uh, this is again when the charismatic movement was taken off as well. So you're going to see some blending in there with some of this legalism and losing your salvation stuff. It's, they're coming out of the same root at the same time. Uh, she said this, quote, it is a, quote, sin to be sick for all sickness is the result of transgression. Really? Well, the Bible says that Satan went forth in the presence of the Lord and smote Job with boils from the sole of his foot to his crown, Job 2.7. However, God said in Job 2.3 that God himself said that Job was a perfect and upright man. Right? It was a satanic attack. It wasn't because of Job's sin. Paul also had a thorn in his side. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, was it a, a sin that caused Paul to have that condition in his body? No. He, in fact, he even says, I rejoice in this because God's using this as a tool to keep me humble. To keep me from becoming conceited. It wasn't because of Paul was sin. Oh, by the way, did you uh, know that in history, um, guess who was frequently ill? It rhymes with Ellen G. White, for those of you wondering. So does that mean that she was a frequent sinner? And then, should we listen to you? You know, all this stuff, okay. Now, let's go and read our other passage we saw last time, 1 Timothy chapter 4, to get refreshed. Because now we're going to get in this whole section of legalism slash false teaching uh, from her. Another big thing that they're concerned about is not only you've got to worship on Saturday, you've got to have a certain particular diet. And if you don't follow their diet, you're doomed. Okay, but let's take a look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And again, what's interesting about this passage is just not uh, uh, just saying it's going to come. It's specifically a sign you're in the last days, right? And you see all these cults and people popping up here in the, towards the last end, right? But 1 Timothy chapter 4, let's take a look again at verse 1 through 3. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith, follow deceiving spirits, and things taught by demons. <clears throat> Such teaching, oh, by the way, she said, remember we saw before that she had this supposed angel that always stood beside her and these messages were supposedly coming from angels who were telling her all this stuff? 
Okay, there, we're demonstrating that what she's saying that these angels told her, okay, or in her supposed visions, okay, they're not from God because they're full of lies. So then what would make those angels? Demons. And so where do these things come from? Deceiving spirits, things taught by demons, right? Now, such teachings come through hypocritical liars. Hypocritical liars. Keep that in mind as we go through this food section, okay? Whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. So, sign you're in the last days, you're going to have this food thing that's going on, right? So, certainly that is through and through the false teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, let's start off with this. Can ministers, can ministers eat meat? Yeah, you baby, you bet you can. I'm looking forward to some tonight. Yeah. Let's close in prayer. I'm hungry. No. Okay. Oh, she says, absolutely not. You're in big trouble if you do that. She says, let not any of our ministers set an evil example in the eating of flesh meat. Let them and their families live up to the light of health reform. Really? So we can't eat meat now? We've got to be vegetarians? No, the Bible says, uh, Luke 22, <clears throat> and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. What's the Passover? Lamb with you before I suffer. That's Jesus, Luke 22. Uh, did you know that Jesus not only ate with the disciples, but he was eating roasted lamb? Part of the Passover, you know, wasn't just some herbs, right? So you're going to say that Jesus did something wrong? Was that evil? We already saw that she said, she waffled. She said, no, the angels brought uh, Elijah uh, meat and bread. And then she said, no, no, it was the ravens, uh, you know, but she changed her mind on it. But she even admitted that. But, well, wait a second, the ravens brought Elijah what? Bread and meat, right? Not uh, bread and cucumbers or bread and carrots, right? Okay. Uh, it, it, why did God feed Elijah bread and meat if that's an evil example, right? Why not cucumbers? And that, those cornflakes that we saw that's supposed to keep you from getting excited or something. <laughs> Can you remember that? I just... I, some, you just wish you're making it up, but you, it's just like, it's there. What are you going to do? So, see, oh, and by the way, uh, did you know that uh, Jesus also ate fish? Luke 24. Again, lamb, uh, Luke 22. Uh, oh, and Jesus, when he was feeding the crowds, he fed them uh, uh, cornflakes and uh, uh, graham crackers. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. He gave them fish and bread. Wasn't just bread. Wasn't cucumbers. Wasn't carrots. Right? He threw in some celery. No, it was fish and bread. Uh, that would be a strange thing for him to do if we shouldn't be eating meat and things of that nature. How do you how do, you do that? Uh, in the vision that Jesus gave to the apostle Peter, he declared all foods clean, Acts, including animals, Acts chapter 10. After the flood, of course, God gave permission to eat meat, uh, Genesis chapter 9. Right? So I'm sorry, that's a false teaching. But then she would say, well, it was the sin of gluttony of eating meat as to why the Israelites went with that plague. Remember that in Numbers chapter 11? Right? Well, listen to this. Here's what she said. Quote, God granted their desire, giving them flesh, and leaving them to eat till their gluttony produced a plague. I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, Numbers 11.33, but while meat was still between their teeth before it could be consumed, which means what? They ain't swallowing nothing. Right? The anger of the Lord burned against the people and struck them with a severe plague. The plague fell before the people consumed the food. The people were punished for coveting, not for eating meat. Okay, was the issue that was there. Uh, the, old taste, uh, the Old Testament law, the nation of Israel was commanded to not eat certain types of food, but it was never commanded that it couldn't eat meat of any kind, period. 
okay? And again, as we saw before in our other studies, this is a, a misunderstanding, misapplication of the different types of Jewish laws. The Jewish laws, not all of them are in effect for today. There was three different types. There was uh, 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 the civil law, there was the ceremonial law, and then there was the moral law. Now, the Jewish civil laws is basically their theocratic government system. This is the system that they ran their government with, right? Are we under the Jewish system of government? No, of course not. I would think that would be common sense. Now, that's also why, okay, uh, we don't put to death homosexuals or adulterers that's mentioned in that Old Testament government law, uh, capital punishment for those crimes. We don't, we're not under that law. That was what was in place back then in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the Jewish law. We're not under that. Nobody advocates for that. That's also why Jesus freed the woman who was caught in adultery when the other people said, no, we need to put her to death capital punishment for that crime so that's not in effect today the ceremonial laws right which includes the dietary laws those are no longer in effect because do we still worship at the temple right no who's do we have a high priest do we sacrifice lambs and pigeons and depend on what sin uh things for our sins no jesus is our high priest jesus is the one who cleanses from sin and what we just said he entered in the most holy place to obtain eternal uh, redemption he, he was sacrificed himself, what? Once for all, right? So the ceremonial laws, including the dietary laws, okay, you can't eat pork and other things, certain meat products, not all meat products, okay, that you couldn't eat, those are not in place for today. Now, the ones that's in place today, okay, is what's called the moral laws, okay, and that would be, uh, yeah, you shouldn't steal and you shouldn't uh, uh, commit adultery and things of that nature because those are moral laws based on the moral character of God. That's why in the old and carries into the new, you see the commandment from God, be ye holy because I am holy. That's Old and New Testament. That's based on his character. So that's always been in function. But when it comes to the civil laws and the ceremonial laws, no. And that's where the confusion comes in. Yes, it's recorded in the scripture, but you're looking at the old covenant. You're dealing with the people of Israel for that time, not the new covenant, the Christian that we are no longer under. So I'll give her a, a little bit of credit that maybe she obviously didn't do her homework on that, amongst other things. Maybe you just didn't understand the difference between the Old and New Covenant, the difference between, dare I say, the Jewish people as a nation, as a people, versus God's plan for the church, which is two different economies. Okay, going on there. But still, they take it to a whole different level. Now, speaking of that, went through all that because that was one of the things that was on the Jewish dietary law. They couldn't eat pork, right? Well, guess what? She says, don't you dare touch that stuff, right? Okay, uh, she said, and I quote, never should one morsel of swine's flesh be placed on your table. Never. Okay. In fact, listen, it gets even more strict. She said in her book, Testimony to the Church, she said, listen, it is just as much sin to violate the laws of our being as to break one of the Ten Commandments. Okay. In other words, eating a slice of bacon is as sinful as committing adultery. Them fighting words. No, you have bacon. Don't mess with my bacon. Right? No, that's just the Jewish dietary laws. We're not under that anymore, okay? Now, this is how serious they take this stuff. This is legal. And what we read in that text, in the last days, there's going to come stuff from these false teachers, deceiving spirits, things taught by demons, and they're going to say there's certain foods you can't eat. Listen to how far they take this. This is in the Seventh-day Adventist Amazing Facts. You heard of that show, that program? Yeah, we'll get to that, Lord willing. Who's the modern-day gurus of the Seventh-day 
Adventist movement. Okay, the amazing facts, right? And on the booklet, on page three, the question is asked there, quote, but I like pork. Will God destroy me if I eat it? Answer, this may be shocking, but it is true and must be told. The Bible positively states that all that eat swine's flesh and other unclean things will be destroyed with fire at the coming of the Lord. Because they ate a piece of bacon. Big time. Now, what did it say in that text there? Not just this in the last days, these deceiving spirits would come, these things taught by demons, but these guys, their conscience is seared. I don't matter. I talk to you, I'm blue in the face, man. I can explain to you the difference between the civil laws and the ceremonial laws and all that stuff. I could, we could go in the scripture, I could say, man, that's not what the Bible says, and that's a false. And you just, it's like your conscience is seared with a hot iron. I can't get nowhere with you, right? But it also said that they were what? Hypocrites. So in the South, hypocrites, hypocritical liars, right? Woo-wee. So now that's the question. So she was big on, you got to stay away from this stuff. Did she practice what she preached? Rhymes with no. No, that's right. This is what I told you last week. I couldn't wait to get to this. This is on historical record, right? Mrs. White claimed to have taken her stand against eating this meat and stuff, right, uh, prior to 1869. But later, guess what we find? Her eating, it rhymes with deer and duck. Okay, and I quote, right, uh, a young man from Nova Scotia had come in from hunting. He had a quarter of deer. He had traveled 20 miles with this deer on his back. He gave us a small piece of meat, which we made into broth. Willie shot a duck, which came in a time of need for our supplies were rapidly uh, diminishing. So there was admittance in the historical record she's eating that. Now, she still privately is eating unclean meat a full 13 years after she says this stuff in public, right? 1882 excerpt from her daughter-in-law. See, her family gives it away. Her daughter-in-law, Mary Kelsey White, uh, she's writing a letter to her daughter-in-law, and she expresses her fondness for herring and oysters. Ooh, that's a no-no, right? And I quote, listen, Mary, if you can get me a good box of herrings, fresh ones, please do so. Not you, Mary, this is some other, right? Because I don't really like those. If you want to get a bacon or burgers, bring it all down. Right, okay, no, but she says, uh, give me a good box of herrings, right? Fresh ones, please do so. The last ones that Willie got are bitter and cold. If you can get a few cans of good oysters, get them. It's this historical record. So you're out there, you're doomed, you're gonna, you, you eat a piece of bacon, God's gonna burn you in the day of judgment. What the text say? It's not just demonic false teachings. These guys are what? Hypocritical liars. You hypocrite. Behind the scenes, you ain't even doing it yourself. Right? Oh, and this, this is from, remember Mr. Kellogg? Right? Remember the Kellogg, the cereal thing? Remember the cereal killer thing that killed eating cereal? Right? The whole thing. He was the Seventh-day Adventist and came with cornflakes so you couldn't get excited and all that other stuff. So, but, right, cereal. This is from him. Even he was blown away by her. Right? Listen to this. According to doc, Dr. John Kellogg, Mrs. White celebrated her return from Europe in 1887 with a large baked fish. When she visited the Battle Creek Sanitarium during the next several years, she, quote, always called for meat and usually, I'm not making this up, fried chicken. That's so hypocritical. (laughs) Yeah. Much to the consternation of Kellogg and the cook, who both were vegetarians, right? Because that's what they're saying you're supposed to do. At At the various camp meetings she attended, her lax dietary habits became common knowledge, thanks in no small part to her own children. Mom's eating chicken again! <laughs> Watch this. K. 
Kellogg, once recalled, this is him writing it, right? Uh, her son, Edson, or J.E. White, standing in front of his mother's tent, this was at a camp meeting, right? Uh, his mother's tent, calling out to the meat wagon, right? You know, like we'd have today, we have those uh, trucks that come up, and they, everybody's got their different flavor. Well, they had called meat wagon, so here's a big event, so somebody's going to try to make some cash, right? So they had a meat wagon. So he, her son's calling out to the meat wagon, and this is Kellogg telling the story, quote. And uh, he said, so her son's saying this to the meat wagon. I got the quote, quote, Say, hello there. Have you any fresh fists? And no was the reply from the meat wagon. Well, have you got any fresh chicken? And the answer was no. And uh, Edson White bawled out in a very loud voice, Mother wants some chicken. You had better get some quick. <laughs> well, she's going to burn in the judgment day, according to your own teachings. Excuse me, what's the text say? Not just false teachings from demons. Not just saying you've got to abstain from certain foods. But these people, you put them to the test, they're a bunch of hypocritical liars. In the last days, you're going to see this stuff. And this is exactly what's going on. Absolutely crazy. Kids give it away, don't you? Right? Have you noticed that as a parent? Do you think you got it cool and all of a sudden they open their mouth? <laughs> Especially in public. Right? But anyway, let's move on. Uh, my kids are over there. Uh, anyway, so now she goes on, because that's the tip of the iceberg, because they're all about, you got to stay away from this. It's doom. You're going to do She also had a thing against butter. But he thought the bacon thing was bad. She got butter. Right? Mrs. White said that she, she gave up. She said she gave Remember, the theme is hypocritical liars. She said she gave up eating butter in 1869. Quote, no butter or flush meats of any kind come on my table. Testimonies, volume 2, page 487, if you want to check it out. Right? And she also had a thing against cheese and eggs. Right? Cheese is wholly unfit for food. Cheese should never be introduced into the stomach. And eggs should not be placed on your table. They are an injury to your children. Well, that one maybe. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> she says, in fact, your prayers are useless if you eat eggs. And I quote. That's right. You place upon your tables butter, eggs, and meat, and then your children partake of them they are fed with the very things that will excite their animal passions and then you come to meeting and then ask god to bless and save your children how high do your prayers go just because you ate it, butter and stuff and whatever now so once again uh did she practice what she preached what's the theme with these false teachers hypocrite right listen to this now this is from a seventh-day adventist president a.g daniels who knew Mrs. White for over 40 years. And he stated this on record at a conference meeting in 1919, quote, I have eaten pounds of butter at her table myself and dozens of eggs. That's in their own camp, right? So the people are spilling the beans uh, on that. But that's still uh, the tip of the iceberg. Oh, by the way, did you know that Jesus had, um, had a word for these kind of people? You know what the Bible called them? Okay. He called them, you Pharisees, right? That's what it is, is really what's going on here. Because remember that, Matthew 23, the whole Matthew 23, you want to see some scathing rebuke? Read the whole chapter, Matthew 23. Jesus is ripping into these legalistic people who didn't even do what they were putting on these people. And here's what he says, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous uh, to, to be borne, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not uh, move them with one of their fingers. You guys are a bunch of hypocritical liars, right? All these commands that you were making up, you don't even follow them yourself, right? Jesus had choice words for those people, and she's doing the same thing. Oh, and just by way, just real quick, she said desserts are out. You need to stop using a baking soda. Vinegar causes many evils. 
I don't care if you put it in salad dressing. It's, you're doomed. Uh, mustard, don't you dare. Pepper, pickles, and cinnamon is prohibited. Card playing, chess, checkers, sports, and games for students, those are all banned. Picnics and social parties, those are banned. Tennis, cricket, baseball, uh, bike racing, that's taboo. Music concerts, no, that's Nick's. Can I read Robinson Crusoe Shakespeare? Absolutely not. Theaters, don't even think about it. Billiard halls, bowling balls, those are off limits. I mean, we all know that bowling balls, the eye of the devil. Uh, right? uh, stay away from the circus. Don't you dare go to the circus. And jewelry is banned, although there is a debate whether they've got some pictures in-house and guess who's wearing jewelry, but whatever. I'll even let that one slide. But let's put it to the test with the Bible. Uh, yes, uh, we are to uh, women and also Christians in general, we're to adorn ourselves in modesty. Uh, but why does the Bible say this? If, if jewelry is uh, not to be worn, then, then the prodigal son, remember that? Remember when the prodigal son came back, right? And Jesus is the one telling the story, right? Luke 15. And uh, the father who uh, comes and the son, and he what? He puts a ring on his finger. So if jewelry was so bad, then why is Jesus, of all things, telling the story, a good story, of a, a good loving father putting on a ring, of, for, well, that doesn't jive. Well, guess what? None of this jives with the Bible, and that's the whole problem, okay, is what's uh, going on here. Then uh, she said that drinking tea is a sin, uh, as well as coffee, and it causes diseases. So now you're wrong on a multitude of levels, right? Uh, here's what she said. She said uh, it is an injurious indulgence, uh, and it injures the soul. And, quote, tea is poisonous to the system, and it causes diseases. Well, not only are you wrong biblically, but you're even wrong medically. Because now they're coming out and saying, are you kidding me? Uh, just some reported health benefits from drinking green and or black tea, it can, quote, reduce the risk of stroke and heart attack. It protects, protects against several types of cancer. It provides equal or greater intoxicant uh, antioxidant power than many fruits and vegetables. Right? So not only are you wrong from God's word, you are contradicted by the laws of uh, modern science. She also said for a time there, don't go to physicians. And I quote, if any among us are sick, let us not dishonor God by applying to earthly physicians. Hmm. Can anybody guess who got sick and uh, later reversed her position on that because she needed to go see a doctor? Yeah. And to their credit, they, they're big on medicine and stuff like that. That nature, they do hospitals today. But the point is, originally, she said, don't even do that. Okay. Again, they're talking about uh, total, total uh, hypocrisy, okay? And just real quick, just to give you some other wrong things. Hey, has anybody been keeping track? What's, remember what's the biblical rule? You're going to sit there and say that you're from God. You're a prophet of God. How many can you get wrong? Zero. How many she got wrong so far? I can't cover them all. I, I've lost count. I have no idea. Is it, are you kidding me? Okay. She also said that you should never sh uh, shave on the Sabbath, okay? Uh, and that the men were to let their beards remain unshaven, Okay. So that's legal. They don't even follow that today. She also said that the world population is going out of existence. She said, every generation has been growing weaker and disease of every form visits the human race. Satan's power upon the human family increases. And if the Lord should not come soon and destroy his power, the earth would soon be depopulated. Well, I just checked. We're up to 7.6 billion and growing. You got that one wrong too. Did you know that she was apparently had an inside scoop knowledge on geology? She had uh, the real reason what caused earthquakes and volcanoes. Watch this. She said, uh, as far as what causes earthquakes, as at this time, immense forests, forests were buried. And these have since been changed into coal, forming the extensive coal beds that now exist. And also, yielding large quantities of oil. The coal and the oil frequently ignite. 
and burn beneath the surface of the earth. Thus, rocks are heated, limestone is burned, and iron ore is melted. The action of water upon the lime adds fury to the intensity and causes earthquakes, volcanoes, and fiery issues. Nope. Sorry, got that one wrong too. Okay, that's not what causes earthquakes. Earthquakes are caused by sudden release of stress on a fault, uh, a fracture of the earth's crust, resulting in movement with opposing uh, layers going against themselves. It's not because coal caught on fire. Okay. Uh, she also said uh, that volcanic eruptions, uh, again, were caused of that. Uh, but that's not the result of that. That's rising magma, molten rock coming up under the earth. Okay. It has nothing to do with what she said. And I'll just give you a couple more and we're going to close. Um, did you know the last thing you want to... Last thing you ever want to do. Apparently, don't you ever eat a piece of bacon. Or you're doomed. You want to be doubly doomed, Cheryl? Then don't you ever, I mean, don't you ever wear a wig. I'm serious. You're doomed. You're going to turn into this animal. I mean, this is animal. I'm serious. And I quote, The heat caused by these artificials, the wigs, induces blood to the brain. And the action of the blood upon the lower or animal organs of the brain causes unnatural activity and tends to reckless, be recklessness in morals and mind and heart and danger of being corrupted. As the animal organs are excited and strengthened by the wig, the morals are enfeebled. The moral and intellectual powers of the mind become servants to the animal. Oh, no! So if you do anything wrong, just blame it on a wig. Wow. On and on and on it goes. It's kind of funny, but then it's sad because people actually believe this stuff and they say. And uh, let's put one thing to the test that she did say. She actually did say, uh, from Selected Messages, Volume 3, page 32, she said, quote, The Bible must be your counselor. Study it and the testimonies God has given, for they never contradict his word. Yes! Yes, yes, yes! But she didn't do it, did you? Because you think that your words are as good as God's words. But they contradict his word, so that's the acid test we know it's not. Okay? Based on her own writings, and this is the tip of the iceberg, folks. Remember, her, her writings are, what, 17 times as large as the Bible? I don't, how many did she get wrong? I don't know. I lost count, right? But this ain't all of them. This is still the tip of the iceberg. Over and over again. Can she be trusted? Even if you want to say there's prophets today, which I don't believe there are, is she reliable? Should anybody be listening to them? No, not at all. God's word is infallible, makes no mistakes. All she has is a bunch of mistakes. God's word is a perfect revelation of God's will. She has got all kinds of gross errors. God's word is written by men inspired by the Holy Ghost. 90% of her works was plagiarized. We know that. Okay? Uh, God's word is perfect harmony throughout. She has got so many contradictory testimonies, it's not even crazy. Okay? God's prophecies never fails. She gets it wrong all the time. And so even though this is out there for anybody to see, you can go investigate it yourself, okay? These people still, still have the audacity to insert her words into the Bible. Watch this. In all man-made religions, the authority of God's scripture, an unchanging word is challenged. The Seventh-day Adventists are no exception. They have their own version of the Bible, known as the Clear Word Bible which inserts the words and ideas of Ellen G. White directly into the biblical text. For example, in the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel, 300 words have been added to the Holy Scriptures. 
A blatant example of this type of alteration can be seen in Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, which in the King James Version simply reads, Unto two thousand and three hundred days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. However, in the Adventist Clear Word Version, this passage has been greatly altered to read, After two thousand three hundred prophetic days, or two thousand three hundred years, God will step in, proclaim the truth about himself, and restore the ministry of the sanctuary in heaven to its rightful place. This is when the judgment will begin, of which the cleansing of the earthly sanctuary was a type. One can see the extent to which Seventh-day Adventists are prepared to go to support their prophetess, even to the manipulation of Scripture. The Clear Word Bible, published in 1994 as an expanded paraphrase to nurture faith and growth, is nothing more than added distortions to the Word of God to support Adventist theology. Wow, that's pretty disturbing. So that would make sense, though, if they're going to base their so-called teachings off of that, which is the merging of this, of all her false teachings, then what do you think you got messed up? You got what's on the top of the next page, their source of authority. Their source of authority is messed up. Their Bible is not the same as our Bible because they pervert it with her teachings. Not footnotes inserted into the text. Okay, And they say that her teachings, 17 times as large as the Bible, are as good as the Bible, okay? And so therefore, by their own definition, that means anything coming out of these guys is what? It is not the word of God, it's the word of man and a woe man uh, in this case. And that's what we'll pick up, Lord willing, next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. 
Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, 
and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.